Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Too fast, too furious. Too fast, too furious. I'm too fast, I'm too furious. I'm too fast, I'm too furious. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Yeah, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Welcome to Where's the Beef? <laughs> Talking about beefs tonight. Talking about beefs a lot lately. It just seems to be on the mind. Beef is on the mind. What can I say? Beef is my favorite character in Phantom of the Paradise. You know, I've seen Phantom of the Paradise about 150 billion times. I've only seen the first Fast and Furious film one time 20 years ago. 2001, I think. 2002, maybe. It's the only film I saw. I don't know why I watched it. I saw it once. I was like, eh, not my thing. I know it is a beloved franchise. Hi, Droid. How you doing? Tell me, how do I look right now? Am I coming in all pixelated to you? How is my sound? How is my audio? Let me know what's up. And we got Ballad of the Broken in the chat. Ballad, what's going on? I was going to do a breakdown of the Scream trailer, as I told Ballad earlier today. And you want to know something? I decided I don't want to see it. I want to go in blind. So I'm not going to talk about it. We're talking about Fast and the Furious today. I literally know nothing about this series. The only thing I know, all right, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Okay, thanks Thanks for the confirmation. Good, good, good. So here's what I know about Fast and the Furious, right? The th- first thing that I know, I know that there's a lot of movies. There's like, there's like five, no, there's like nine movies, and then there's a spinoff movie called Hobbs and Shaw. That I know. The other thing I know is that it seems that Fast and the Furious started off as like one thing and slowly transformed into something else. It turned into like this, you know, secret agent series. It went from they went from being car racers to, you know, cops and robbers and whatnot. And now they are what's going on, Chris? How you doing? Uh, now they are like, you know, international like spies. And, you know, I think what the series needs to evolve into, I want to see them go to outer space. I want them to become the next Star Trek, the Fast and Furious family in space. It could be like Lost in Space, but with the Fast and Furious family. Right? <laughs> Sorry, I think it's funny because we're family. Um, I don't even get the joke. It's just I guess he's really obsessed Really, really obsessed. Um, Ballad, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm posting this stuff, but I'm not getting into it because I don't want to get off topic. But all of those things look uh, sound promising. Um, again, I'm going in completely blind. I don't want to know 
I, I just want to be completely surprised. All right. So what I have here is a new profile that seems to be the latest on what probably is the final word. Cause that's the problem when you do these beefs, like they keep evolving, right? You got to keep up with the beef. I don't want to keep up with the beef. I want to talk about the beef once, twice, three times a lady, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? So, so hopefully this is the, you know, maybe penultimate final word on the beef. Who knows? Maybe Vin Diesel will clap, clap back as they say. <laughs> uh, let me get this straight. So, and then, you know, the chronology is like all off too. Like, I think like one of them, like the third or the fourth one is actually a prequel to the second or the third one. It's like just really, really, really confusing. And then Paul Walker dies, very sad, very tragic. And they say goodbye to him. When they say goodbye to him, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson comes into the series after like the fifth movie. This is unheard of. You know, normally like a franchise, a franchise is a franchise and essentially established. You don't keep adding new people, but the Fast and Furious series seems to get better and better and better with each sequel, meaning like, you know, they bring in more people, they do more crazy stunts. You know, it's like neck and neck with Mission Impossible is another one that's just like that. You know, we're going to keep upping the ante and and doing more and more and more yada 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 xyz one two three so here's what here's what Dwayne the rock johnson he breaks down the beef for us so we can you know because ultimately what is beef beef is delicious it's delicious we like to we like to masticate it. Mm, beef 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 all right let's take a look at this without further ado i'm not going to read the whole thing i'm just reading the part about fast and the furious that's literally what i came here to do to talk about that. Um, Ballad says, I'm not well versed in the Fast and Furious movies, but I think Dwayne, that he likes Dwayne better than Vin since both of them have dropped music. They should just do a good old-fashioned rap beef on wax. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter what his beef is. <laughs> why? Loki, why is that? We got Loki in the house. Loki, did you hear about the uh, Michael Graves and the Whiskey A Go Go? That that just uh, popped into my radar. Very interesting, considering that that dude used to sell face masks, which I think is kind of funny. What's beef? Beef is when I see you guaranteed to be in the ICU. Notorious B.I.G. Wow, wow. <laughs> Loki says, please. <laughs> Yeah, the Michael Graves face masks. Fucking Michael Graves, man. All right. He's had enough. He's had enough. All right, Loki. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm, hey, Loki, I'm breaking balls, Loki. I'm breaking balls. I'm breaking balls. We're talking about Fast and the Furious now. No more. No more. No more. Okay. So what does Dwayne The Rock Johnson have to say? He says, so he and his ex-wife built a new team. Uh, one pivotal part of the ascent that followed, ascent meaning, you know, scaling upward. Uh-oh, now I'm going to have beef with Loki. Loki, I don't want to, I don't want to have a beef with you. Let's just eat beef together. Let's just we'll order, your, what, what, what's your favorite burger? in and out <laughs> The fast and the Lokius, exactly, exactly, dude. All right, ready? Uh, one pivotal part of the ascent that followed was the huge success of his appearance in the Fast and Furious film franchise, Fast Five. Say that a hundred times fast. Ready? Ready? And Fast and Furious film franchise, Fast Five. Whoa, that's crazy. 
the Fast and the Furious film franchise Fast Five. Fast and the Furious film franchise Fast Five. Fast and the Furious fra- franchise Fast Five. That that is that's a tongue twister right there. Um, Fast Five, in which his character Luke Hobbs was introduced, so it was the fifth one, would nearly double the previous installments' gross. The gross meaning the gross box office. So they saw a ginormous uptick. Because usually what happens is sequels are diminishing returns, right? You, you do another sequel, you, you the, the 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 Hollywood formula of, you know, sucking the, the the blood dry from a piece of art, if you can call this art. I'd say this is more commerce than art, but that's, you know, my personal opinion, is to, we want to make twice the amount of money for half of the amount of budget. That's what Hollywood, oh, here, okay. Do another sequel, but we're going to give you less money, even though this sequel made money, more money than the original. We're still going to give you less money because we're that fucking greedy, and we don't care about making something that looks really, really good. And it's, you know, it's like frustrating. That stuff is frustrating. But in the in the in the in the guise of Fast and Furious, what's going on, Amy? Welcome to the chat. In the guise of the Fast and the Furious. It seems that the sequels and the budgets get bigger and bigger and bigger because they're making more and more money. This is a good thing, I guess. You know, if you, especially if you're you're Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is a producer on the Fast and Furious series, so he, you know, he owns a piece. He's got a lot of skin in the game. I mean, obviously they all have some skin in the game, but Vin Diesel really has some skin in the game. He hasn't really been in too much stuff you know he's been things here he's done a little reddick here and he did the blood movie whatever that was there but like fast and furious is his baby that's his cash cow you know making billions of dollars and whatnot he does well he does really really well with that so when johnson comes in it really he says it really lit a rocket under my market value in our business he returned for the next three films as well as a spinoff called Hobbs and Shaw. That's him and Jason Statham. So they did their own film. But behind the scenes, there had been a growing schism between Johnson and Vin Diesel. Even though their family, even though their family, there was a growing schism. It was serious enough that Johnson only agreed to return for the series' eighth installment, The Fate of the Furious. They have done so many titles. we got to look up all the – what are all the titles to the Fast and Furious films? I'm going to look them up right now just because I'm very, very curious. Fast and the Furious. Let's see here, the the series. Let's let's look at the entire – like every sequel name. Here we go. Real quick, just because I don't know. I honestly don't know. List of films. Where is it? Here we go. Films. So here's the films. Ready? You have the first one, The Fast and the Furious, right? The second one, Too Fast, Too Furious, spelt with a two. The third one is The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. The fourth one is just Fast and Furious. The fifth one is (laughs) Fast Five, baby. Who's... Who is the marketing genius coming up with these titles? The sixth one is called Fast and Furious Six. Not very, um, not not very original there. The the seventh one is called Furious Seven. I guess this is more original than than the Friday the Thirteenth films, though. The eighth film is called The Fate of the Furious. The nine ninth one is called F Nine, and then the there is no they don't have they're doing a tenth film that's split into two pieces and they don't have a title for it yet 
and they're doing two other they're doing another spin-off a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw and then an untitled women-led film and there you go so so that <laughs> those are all of the movies right so so the rock he didn't want to come back for the eighth one the fate of the furious only he would come back on the condition that he and diesel shared no scenes together i want to forego drama he tells me that's talking to the interviewer here for vanity fair I thought that this was the best thing to do for everybody. By the way, the guy who wrote this and did this piece for Vanity Fair, his name is dot or her name is dot 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 dot. Hold on. Oh man. Load. Load, you son of a bee. Um, it's by Chris Keith, and the photography is by Mark Seliger. Seliger, I guess, is that name. Now we've lost our place because I had to credit the author, which is what you should do. That's what you should do in those scenarios. Hold on. So he wasn't going to come back. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to share the screen with, um, and you know, something else came out too, that they have to have, you know, it's in their contracts, both of them. They have to have a certain amount of screen time. They have a certain amount of lines, a certain amount of time where they're kicking butt on screen like they have to you know that kind of thing um so he thought it was the best thing to do for everybody to forego any scenes with diesel he didn't want them uh it clearly wasn't enough their issues sprung into the open with a now notorious instagram post that johnson wrote a week before the end of production he subsequently deleted it but not before it had traveled far and wide it read in part, my female co-stars are always amazing and I love them. My male co-stars, however, are a different story. Ooh, talk about shade. That is some, right in the, right in the, you, you knew he was talking about somebody. My male co-stars, however, are a different story. Some, con, uh, some conduct themselves as stand-up men and true professionals while others don't. The ones that don't are too chicken-ish, you can guess what ish is, to do anything about it. They are candy asses. When you watch this movie next April and it seems like I'm not acting in some of those scenes and my blood is legit boiling, you're right. Ooh, He closed things out with a hashtag, zero tolerance for candy asses. So candy asses previously mentioned was one of the rocks trademark wrestling put downs i did not know that i did not know that okay so there's some there's some precedent with with the with that term with that terminology for clarity at my request johnson supplies the following definition it is something you don't want to be and the best way that i could describe it is life is so much easier i have found when you are not full of ish and they are always full of ish so it's about them being full of it I asked Johnson whether something specific had happened on set to provoke his post. He said, nothing specific happened, just the same old ish, he says, and it just wasn't my best day. You know, I can relate to that. I totally get that, not having your best day. I have definitely been in situations where I was not having my best day and I let something slip. I, you know, I believe, thank you, thank you, Loki, that is exactly what I mean, and I'm just too much of a chicken-ish to say it out loud. 
No, it's just that, you know, friggin' YouTube, man. It's friggin' YouTube. Just trying not to cuss so much, or at least minimize the amount of cussing. It's harder than you think. But, you know, I've definitely been in situations where, you know, I wasn't not my best day. And here's the thing. This is what I have learned sometimes. And sometimes I haven't, as you'll you you'll know from my YouTube channel. Um, restraint of pen and tongue pays great dividends. What does that mean? It means that if I keep my mouth shut, that, you know, I'm going to avoid trouble. You know what I mean? Like it's best. Sometimes I don't have the privilege to talk out of the side of my neck. You know, it just, it just doesn't help me, especially when it's not my best day. You know, um, I need a filter because I'm liable to say something that I'm going to end up having to apologize for later at a later time. So restraint of pen and tongue. And I think, you know, that's something it wasn't the rock was not having his bet his best day. And he definitely had a, a, a slip of the tongue and it, and, it, and it basically opened a can of worms or as he says it, um, because of what happened, I asked or because he chose to share it, chose to share it. Wait, he says, um, and it, it just wasn't his best day uh, because of what happened, I ask, or because he chose to share on Instagram and he claims chose to share it. He regretted it, question mark. Johnson laughs. It caused a firestorm. Yet interesting enough, it was as if every single crew member found their way to me and either quietly thanked me or sent me a note. But yeah, it wasn't my best day sharing that. I shouldn't have shared that because at the end of the day, it goes against my DNA. I don't share things like that. And I take care of that kind of bullish away from the public. They don't need to know that. That's why I said it was my best day. I can, like I said, I can totally relate to that. The Rock seems like a pretty stand-up guy to me for the most part. He seems like, you know, he's really, really healthy. He's really, really focused. He's one of those dudes, you know, he's like, he's like, focused in the way that Tom Cruise is, except there's none of that Scientology nonsense. You know what I mean? Like he just like just such a uh, an outlier of just wanting to be the best that he can be. You know, he went from wrestling to, you know, becoming an actor and he's been acting for almost 20 years. Right. Like, you know, he I remember I remember first seeing The Rock. I think it was in a movie called The Rundown with Sean William Scott back when that dude was like all the rage, you know. That was the first big thing. Oh, no, it was the Scorpion King, right? It was the Scorpion King in 2002. So he's been acting for almost 20 years, and he really has just worked his way up the ladder to being A-list Hollywood. I mean, he gets films bankrolled and, you know, uh, creates a lot of jobs for a lot of people. Let's put it that way. However, however, there is a there's a there's it's a double sided sword there. And I'm going to get to that in one second. Loki says that I'm going to get shadow banned if I keep dissing Scientology. I wasn't dissing Scientology. All I said was that he's like Tom Cruise without the Scientology, right? I mean, it's just like saying, like, what's this without this? What is spicy chicken without the spice? It's just chicken. That's not dissing spice. That's just saying what it is without one thing. What is Dwayne the Rock Johnson? What is what is Dwayne? How is Dwayne the Dwayne? What is Dwayne the Rock Johnson? He is Tom Cruise without the Scientology. <laughs> uh, is that what I said? Well, I'm just kidding. I 
I think it's I think it's a wonderful religion. It's the only religion you got with with UFOs, man. Which is awesome. You know, I, we need more religions with like aliens and UFOs. Truly, in, in my personal opinion. Listen, whatever makes you, whatever makes you happy out there, go and do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt other people. That's my philosophy. That's what I think. If if that's what you like to do, as long as you're not hurting other people, go do it. That's that's what I think. Uh, although, whatever. I'm not going to say the next thing. Um, <laughs> Rue Morg says that's like hairpiece without hair grease. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, Loki, 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 Loki. It's so nice to have you, Loki. When are you going to come on my show again? Weren't we going to do that? What? Get at my, get in my DMs. Shoot me a, you know my number. Shoot me a text message. You. Let's talk. Let's get you out. Let's let's figure out something for Loki to do. I like talking to Loki. What's going on? What's going on, Room Work? It's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you. Um, so so getting back to this real quick. So it wasn't his best day. Um, but the interviewer confirms, uh, no, no, sorry, the rock confirms that he would not take it back. He just wouldn't share it publicly. And the rock confirms that he says, no, I meant what I said for sure. He stands by his words. I mean what I say when I say it, but to express it publicly was not the right thing to do. And that's another thing that's really cool that I'll give the rock credit for. It's not easy to, it's not easy to admit, you know, when you're wrong publicly, that's another hard thing to do. And, you know, a lot more people would benefit greatly if they could admit when they're wrong publicly. Um, so I give that I give another plus one to to the rock there. Um, it was subsequently sorry it was subsequently reported that some kind of peace meeting took place soon afterwards in Johnson's trailer. Well, there's there was a meeting. Johnson tells me, laughing. I wouldn't call it a peaceful meeting. I would call it a meeting of clarity. He and I had a good chat in my trailer. And it was out of that chat that it really became just crystal clear that we are two separate ends of the spectrum and agreed to leave it there. That also is a beautiful thing, in my opinion, right? Like, you know, you realize I've had conversations with people like that, too, where you're like, you realize, like, we're never going to agree on anything. You think you're right. I think I'm right. And we're just going to have to agree it's literally the cliche. We have to agree to disagree here and just move forward, whether you're moving forward together with someone and working together or just going your separate ways because you reach an impasse. And that's what happens. Sometimes you reach an impasse. And that's what clearly happened here and just leave it there. So I wonder, that must have solved things. But, you know, basically what The Rock is not saying, but what the, the tea leaves that I'm reading is that you know, Vin Diesel uh, doesn't treat people very nicely on the set. And it maybe comes from the fact that he's a producer. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what else the, the Rock has to say about this. I mean, look at this dude. He, he's in he is like the, in the, the pinnacle of 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 greatness, you know, conquered the the movie world. He's conquered the world of physicality where he's in the best shape of his life. You know, he seems like a generally upbeat kind of person who's just all about positivity and you know, I don't know. I got a lot of respect for The Rock, to be honest with you. In my opinion, Loki says, 
I think they are laying the groundwork for a big mania feud in the next couple of years. You got to explain that. What's a mania feud? Is this a wrestling term? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I, I, you got to explain that. What is a mania feud? I'm just not well versed in the. In, I'm not well versed in wrestling. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. It's a blind spot for me. You know. Um, I don't know. That's that's just that's just me though. Oh, okay. That's wrestle. So that's a WrestleMania thing. Well, see, I, you know, that's a good crossover promotion actually for the Fast and Furious series. I would imagine having the the Rock come back to wrestling and then have him wrestle Vin Diesel in a cage match. No, have them racing. No, have them wrestling. They're each on their own respective muscle car going around on a track and they're wrestling each other from each car. You know, that would be good. I think. What's going on, Jody? Welcome. <laughs> Here's Jody's take. The Rock would rock bottom Vin, and and the beef would be cooked. <laughs> if you could smell what The Rock is cooking, of course. Whoa! Boom. There you go. There you go. Um, so Johnson says that he and Diesel are philosophically two different people, and we approach the business of movie making in two very different ways. The faults he sees in Diesel seem pretty clear from this description. He offers of his own contrasting philosophy. So I think we're about to get those tea leaves, right? We're about to hear a, a, a supreme breakdown of the situation. Uh, it's the philosophy of going. Uh, it's the philosophy of going into work every day looking at everybody as equal partners and looking at the studio as equal partners and looking at the crew, regardless of where you're at, either on the call sheet or otherwise, as equal partners with respect and with humility and being respectful of the process and every other human being who is putting in just as much time, just as much hard work and sweat equity, if not more. I, and I think it's always been more important to me to always be straight up and look somebody in the eye. And if you say you're going to do something, then do it. So there you go. He just straight up took his giant rock C word out. He just took it out. He smacked Vin Diesel across the face with it. That's what he did. He took it out. Big, muscular, throbbing, veiny bull. Boom. Right across the face. Right across Vin Diesel's bald, chrome-dome head, right? There you go. So he's he's just saying this is what he's this is what this is what could be interpreted allegedly by the Rock's words. I'm not saying that this is what he said. It's you have to you have to look at what's not on being put on the table to to, to understand what he's saying. His plowed sword. His, his plowed sword. His scorpion king. The scorpion king. Scorpion king. So what he's saying is. That allegedly, this is what he's saying, that by 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 what he's saying here, that Vin Diesel doesn't look at everybody as equal partners and doesn't look at the studio as an equal partner and doesn't look at the crew of regardless of where you're at, either on the call sheet or otherwise as an equal partner, doesn't not with any respect and not with any humility and is incredibly disrespectful of the process and to every other human being who is putting in just as much time, just as much hard work and sweat equity, if not more. 
and the rock thinks it's always the rock thinks that vin diesel it's not important to vin diesel to be straight up that vin diesel doesn't think it's important to be straight up and doesn't think it's important to look someone in the eye and doesn't think it's important to do what they say that they are going to do so it's just absolutely the opposite right you know what i mean um yeah, I can, Loki. That's my soup. That's my secret power. I can literally just talk about anything. I just, you know, they should hire me to be a filibuster when they're trying to pass legislation in our government because I would have them there for 72 hours straight. They would never, they wouldn't know what to do with me, you know? Over time, Diesel has voiced his own oblique observations about the situation. Oblique means not transparent, right? So he, you know, is not being very, you know, uh, he's not transparent in his observation about the situation. He has put down their differences to them being two alpha males. And Johnson says, sounds like him to say that, sure. Uh, Characterize Johnson perhaps slightly patronizingly as Hollywood's second multicultural megastar whom he's proud to see following in his footsteps. Ouch. Boom. And and Vin Diesel, in turn, after getting hit with the plow sword, whips out his, his own, you know, shiny man out of the cave and tries to tries to come back, you know, come back at at at, at the rock. Um Johnson says he talks like that and said that I protected Dwayne more than he'll ever know, but he appreciates that. So Vin Diesel says, I protected Dwayne more than he'll ever know, but he appreciates that. He knows he only has one big brother in the film world, and that's me. Oof. Johnson says, I have one big brother, and that's my half-brother, and that's it. See, Johnson sounds like he's got a, you know, a good head on his shoulders, and and uh, Vin Diesel sounds like he let the diesel of the Fast and Furious cars go to his noggin. And he is just, you know, out of his mind. Then this summer, in an interview in Men's Health, Diesel returned to the subject, casting any conflict as the benign side effect of purposeful method manipulation on his part. What? My approach, my bro, I wish I could do a Vin Diesel impression. I can't. My bro, my, my, I can't do it. Forget it. <laughs> I can even try. Family. Um, my approach at the time was a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be as a producer. So he's like, he's like, wow, he's he really is. Talk about condescending and patronizing. As a producer to say, okay. We're going to take Dwayne Johnson, who's associated with wrestling, and we're going to force him, we're going to force the cinematic world audience members to regard his character as someone that they don't know. Hobbs hits you like a ton of bricks. That's something, I can't do his voice. That's something that I'm proud of, that aesthetic. That took a lot of work. So he's taking credit for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That He's basically saying that by acting like, you know, by, by acting like a like a dick to to the, to the rock and to everybody else that I brought their character where it needed to go 
and that everybody should thank me for what I did and that he is proud of that aesthetic. That took a lot of work. We had to get there some, and sometimes at that time, I could give a lot of tough love. Not Fellini-esque, but I would do anything I have in order to get the performances in anything I'm producing. Reminded of this quote, Johnson at first simply bellows with laughter. Okay, before we move on, before we move on, I just want to check something. So The Rock, let's see what The Rock's first film was, right? Because, you know, he's talking about The Rock as if he's like new to new to the cinema world. But I'm pretty sure that they have been acting for the exact same time. They started, I think that, I think that Vin Diesel started in 1999, Pitch Black, right? And let's see what The Rock's first film was. I'm checking right now. Filmography. <clears throat> I mean, the dude is so, so talented. He's done so much stuff. All right, so his first film is in 2001, The Mummy Returns, although he is in Beyond the Mat as himself in a documentary. That doesn't count. So we can say 2001 for The Rock. Let's see the first time that Vin Diesel, when is Vin Diesel's first appearance in a film? Let's take a look. Vin Diesel. Yo, I can't Vin Diesel. Oh, whoa, look at that pot belly. Yeah, he's 54 too. He probably feels, uh, The Rock is probably roughly the same age. Definitely some, listen, definitely some alpha male. Oh, that's right. He did the voice of Groot. Definitely some alpha male, you know, nonsense in there as well. He's been in 56 films, but you know, uh, I don't know. Oh, right. He was in triple X knock around guys. Pitch black was in 2000. Boiler room was in 2000. Oh, that's right. He was the voice for the iron giant in 99. He's in, uh, his first starring film is in 1997 as Rick in a film called strays and he's in saving private ryan in 1998 so what so he's got like he's got like four years he's got four years on the rock you know i i call i mean that's ridiculous that that is so that is so wrong in my opinion um yeah loki that's exactly right not for nothing but the rock was well established in hollywood as an actor already it's ridiculous it was ridiculous. And I remember I remember the buzz when he was in the Scorpion King. Everyone's like, oh yeah, the rock, he's gonna play the Scorpion King. Like that was a big friggin' deal, dude. That was a big deal. All right, let's see what he says. Reminded of this quote. This is the quote about, about Diesel being responsible for, for everything. Uh Johnson at first simply bellows with laughter. He goes, you know, I'll tell you this. By the way, Johnson is so good as um God, what's his name? In uh, in Moana, he plays Maui. He plays Maui in Moana. So good. So good. And, he, and he's singing. I, I, man, the, the rock rules, dude. He says, you know, I'll tell you this. He says eventually. Well, I love that Die Hard movie. He did a Die Hard knockoff with Nev Campbell where he's missing his leg. It's basically just Die Hard with a dude who's missing his leg. And he has to use his leg, his, his fake leg is like a prop. Like he has to zip line with his fake leg. Yeah, it's really great, really great, really fun. He says, you know, I'll tell you this, he said eventually. One part of me feels like there's no way I would dignify any of that BS with an answer. But here's the truth. I've been around the block a lot of times. He sure has. Um, unlike him, I did not come from the world of theater. 
And, you know, I came up differently and was raised differently. And I came from a completely different culture and environment. And I got into every project. I go into every project giving it my all. Again, I, I know I sound like I'm just blowing smoke up his rear end, but like I got, I, I agree. I agree. He does give it all. He is Tom Cruise minus the Scientology. And if I feel that there's some things that need to be squared away and handled and taken care of, then I do it. And it's just that simple. So when I read that, just like everybody else, I laughed. I laughed hard. We all laughed. And somewhere, I'm sure, Fellini is laughing too. And that's it. Um, other collab- Well, I'll just read this. Other collaborators think of Johnson far more fondly. Ryan Reynolds, who co-stars this month in Red Notice, has known him for 20 years. Hmm. The thing that sets him apart, Reynolds says, is obviously he's kind of superhuman in stature. He's going to be Black Adam, by the way, for anybody who is into comic books. He's perfect casting for that. Um, Reynolds says he's obviously, obviously he's kind of superhuman in stature and looks and charisma and all those things, but he has an innate ability to always laugh at himself. And that in and of itself is a superpower, you know? I mean, that opens the door, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and literally. I think it's always been in his arsenal, and that's always been the thing that I think really allows people in. He offers a further observation. I think sort of of the allure of DJ, Dwayne Johnson, is that to a certain extent, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and that there is underneath the muscles, which there are, which all which are all, by the way, spray-on muscles, I found out when we were shooting, he is incredibly vulnerable. Hmm. And then Emily Blunt, who starred with Johnson in Jungle Cruise, echoes the sentiment. I know the first thing everyone notices is the colossal framework of a human, but when people who really know him well know is that held in size this equally oceanic compassion and humility, she says... He's got this sort of blazing charisma that he's really known for, but he's quite shy and introverted. He's an interesting and very and very rare mix of really confident and really humble, Blunt adds. He also happens to be a te- tequila-swilling, fun-as-hell hang, and he's got the filthiest laugh in the world. So there you go. Now, I want to say one thing. I'm going to say one, one final. Here's, fi- here's my Jerry Springer final word on that um, in terms of this. For those of you who don't realize, right now, the film and television industry is in great upheaval. The unions are fixing to strike, and here is why. They're fixing to strike because all of the streaming channels have different sorts of contracts than, say, the big-budgeted studios. There are certain things that that big-budgeted studios have to do. They have to pay a certain amount of money. They have to have breaks. They have to have certain turnaround times. There's all these things, and those are in place to keep the people that are working, you know, and even for the big studios, it's not, you know, it's that the, these people are overworked, the, the sets and crews. They're overworked, they're underpaid, and underappreciated for the most part in an industry where you have elitists that will just bite your head off for no reason. You know what I'm saying? And right now, the unions are getting ready to strike over something called new management, new media contracts. Basically, because streaming at the time, when streaming first started up, they got they were able to renegotiate their contracts as new media because nobody knew what streaming was or how big it was going to be or how much money it was going to make. And now they're making all the money in the world, and they are not paying as much and not having, you know, for instance, 
there's this thing called a meal penalty and a meal penalty is where if they if you skip lunch you have to pay a certain amount of money um to you know the worker whoever who's in the union um but these rates have not been renegotiated since the 80s so what you get is you know these studios that are like yeah sure we'll pay your meal penalty fee which is like nothing it's nothing to them you know it does it's not a penalty at all and that's the problem and then what happens is people go home they're driving home after working 16 17 18 hour days they're driving home they're getting into car accidents people have died you know falling asleep at the wheel far more dangerous than having explosives on the set driving home in your car and falling asleep because you're overworked and super tired you know and here's what here's what fuels this behavior above the line movie stars like the rock like vin diesel all these guys they go yeah i'll do that movie but i'm only going to do it for eight to ten weeks and that's it or i'm going to do it for four weeks or you'll only have me for three weeks on this side roll whatever it is and then suddenly it's the crews who have to basically adhere to these incredibly insane schedules that take up all their time it's the crews that have to spend 16 hours on set. And it all has to do with because the big movie star agreed to do it for this amount of weeks and nothing more. And, you know, movies take time. They're incredibly complicated and detailed. And the set life is a hard life. It's a life that I never wanted. I had a tiny little taste of it. And I turned right around and walked away from it because it's just so, I mean, you do not get to see your family. You do not get to have a social life. You get to be making movies, that's friggin' cool, as a part of the cog in the machine, but you don't have a life. So the problem here is, even though Johnson, oh yeah, Johnson, he's super humble, a man of the people, if you will, but it's like, you know, he's part of the problem. He's like, I'll do a movie for 10 weeks, I'll do a movie for eight weeks, blah, 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 and then you, the people suffer as a result. So no matter how well he's treating the people, the way that he could really treat people well is by like, you know, not adhering to such tight studio schedules. And who knows how that's figured out or who's responsible for that. But that's what happens. Um, let's just go to some comments real quickly. I see some comments over here. Ballad says, Rue, I wonder what compelled the directors to include that random, hilarious scene so out of place, but somehow what are you guys talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, Ballad says, one thing I respect about The Rock is his openness about his mental health struggles and depression. It's one of the reasons he wakes up at the crack of dawn and lifts Atlas Stones. He, he, you know, that that is amazing. And, you know, when people like that talk about mental illness, it's a good thing because they, you know, they have a platform and that's when, you know, this idea of having a platform and using it for good is a good thing. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> what is a better, which is the better film, the pacifier with Vin Diesel or the tooth fairy with the rock. First of all, I have seen neither one of these films, but I find it. I remember the posters. I remember when these films came out and I find it hilarious that, they both were in films like that. I wonder if they were like up for the same sort of roles and like chose, you know, oh my God. If they are, they are remaking the Lost Boys. They are remaking the, the Lost Boys. They should have The Rock do the cameo as the oiled up saxophone guy. I still believe. 
um when i was when i was on tour with blitzkid we got to go to santa cruz where they filmed that movie it was awesome it was awesome man gameplay with the rock um joe kingman baby i don't i don't know you guys are speaking in another language i don't know what the hell you're talking about i feel so out of touch do i have another seltzer back here hold on what else you guys got for me hold on one second i'm just gonna grab this seltzer and you know what the best part about this really terrible headset is that the cable is so long that i can actually reach back grab my seltzer and never get any dead air ah um, a couple things coming up. We got a new episode tomorrow of the Streaming Evil Live. I have a mysterious guest. Expect to hear some cool stories from him. That's going to be a lot of fun. Check that out. Uh, also coming up on Thursday, we have our another episode of Sinful Celluloid with filmmaker, producer, writer, Christopher Jimenez. Go follow him at Sinful Celluloid on Instagram. We're going to be talking about vampires. Woo! Um, also check out, you know, every, I've been posting videos every single day about all the movies that I watch and it's a lot of work and nobody really seems to click on them. They're not very popular. It is what it is. I, I get that. Not everything is going to be watched. Uh, but I saw, I committed to it and I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm going to see it through to the end, even if it's not a popular series. And, um, but been watching some really great stuff. So check that out. Do you like this beef series? What beef should we talk about next? We just did a beef, uh, a little, what was the last beef we did? Oh, we did the jackass beef. So we just did a jackass beef and we did the sex pistols beef. So you tell me what beef we need to do next. That would, that's, that's another thing we have to figure out. <laughs> Rue doesn't want anybody, uh, remaking the lost boys. He's not happy. He is not happy. Um, speaking of that, I hope you get another live stream with some of the Blitz Kid guys. Love how you brought up the meaning of the Torn Prince. I can guarantee you that is never going to happen. But that was a fun episode. I enjoyed having Tracy on that one time. Um, but not going to happen. Um, the Rock did not collaborate with Danzig. That's why you don't know what you're that what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay, okay. I see. I see what Loki's doing here. I get it. <laughs> see, I can laugh at myself too. I think that's funny. Guys, make sure to follow Jody at Jody Ellison. Jody underscore Ellison on Instagram. Shameless plug, Jody. All about the shameless plug. Um, I don't know. Got it. Here is the cat of the chat. What? Thank you. Um, I guess that's it, you guys. I don't. I don't have anything else to say. Uh, anything at all? Oh, 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 oh! Wait, wait, wait! One last thing. All right. For those of you, first of all, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this channel if you have not. We have all regulars tonight, so I assume that you're all subscribed or, or dialed in 100%. Ooh, this is a good spicy question. Who would you say has the, had the most famous beef in our circles? Huh. 
Um, I'd say there, I, I could think of quite a few, actually, quite a few beefs, uh, for sure, come to mind. Absolutely. They're definitely some big ones. Definitely, for sure. I, I don't know what the biggest one would be, but definitely a few salacious ones come to mind. Um, please make sure to just to, to subscribe. And also, guys, the listening party is out. The 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 final entry in our listening series for Sam Hain. Sam Hain, November Coming Fire is now available for YouTube casualty members and Patreon. So if you're on the Patreon, if you're a, a YouTube casualty member on YouTube, you can now listen to the November Coming Fire. It's 44 minutes long. We do some history and then we go into the album. Um, otherwise, you have to wait till November 1st. It drops. So keep that in mind. Also, we're going to be doing a, I'm hoping, because my system seems to be working again, we're going to be doing Night of the Living Dead with live commentary. We're going to watch Night of Living Dead. It's going to be a watch along and we're going to be doing a commentary and it's going to be a lot of fun because I got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. Oh, thank you for reminding me to November from Aspire. That's right. November 6th, we are, I'm hosting a show. I am like the MC for, for, a, for a punk show that's happening on November 6th. It's Voice of Doom, Robbie Bloodshed, uh, Secret Subway with Tony Matura, and who knows who else might show up at this at this jamboree. You gotta you gotta tune in and find out. And yes, we are streaming. Yeah, you must have missed that bout. We are streaming on Thursday. We're doing the sinful celluloid again. We're doing vampires. It's gonna be a vampire discussion. Before you go for Halloween, which Danzig related band are you listening to most to set the mood? I you know. The the one thing that I do on Halloween, every Halloween without fail, obviously I listen to the song Halloween. I've never missed a year. I always listen to the song Halloween. It's like uh, just a thing. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that. Um, exactly. Sour cream. We have sour cream t-shirts in the comments. Check out. We got t-shirts in the comments. All right, guys. There's nothing more for me to say. I got to make the video review for my next, I'm literally about to upload another video after this one. I did this and now I'm going to go upload a video. So this is a busy week. Okay. All right. As we always say here, peace and hair grease.